You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I'm going to talk about some problem areas that people have in their knees, specifically runner's knee and jumper's knee. And this is how it came about. I got a message, a DM on Instagram from at Stevan Markley. And he said, hello again, Dr. Richie. So we've chatted before. And he said he was out snow blowing our first real snow, learning about arthrokinematics, amazing podcast. And he goes on to say, I'm not sure if you've covered typical problem areas that are popular in recreational athletes. And he goes, if you could cover that, it'll be awesome. Uh, he talks about runners and cyclists and golfers and so on and so forth. So I said, uh, yeah, that's a great idea, actually. And I'm glad you mentioned it. So I want to start us off talking about runner's knee today. And then we're going to get into jumper's knees uh, today, hopefully, unless I start going too long and I got to cut this short. So let's go into runner's knee, also known as IT band syndrome. So let's talk about what it is, and then we'll get into what causes it. We'll talk about the overhead squat assessment, and then we'll go into some interventions that I think are very important for the fitness professional to be able to understand. So first of all, what is runner's knee? Runner's knee is going to be pain on the lateral side of the knee, and more specifically, it is the lateral condyle of the femur. Now, the condyles are those rounded bony area. So, you know, the, the shaft of the femur kind of widens out into these kind of circular condyles. And it's the lateral, the outside of the condyle. Um, what happens is that there's inflammation of the tendon, the IT band. The IT band is a really long tendon. It goes from the ilium to the tibia, which is where we get the name IT, the iliotibial band. And it is a thick piece of fascia that runs from the ilium down to the tibia. It is a tendon for a muscle like the TFL, but also the glutes attached to it as well. So this tendon at the condyle of the femur can start to get inflamed. Now, what happens is that usually we look at this tension that starts to build up there and it puts pressure on against the bone and against that fat pad. Uh, usually what we do is if I'm doing an assessment, I believe it's 30 degrees of knee extension. So you start to extend the knee until about 30 degrees. And what happens is that that's when the IT band goes from being posterior of the condyle to anterior of the condyle. And it's at 30 degrees that every time you flex and extend your knee and it runs across that area, that it aggravates the tendon or that fat pad. So it mostly happens in runners, which is why it's called runner's knee, but it also can happen in cyclists, for people that play tennis and other sports. Now, what can cause it? Uh, overtraining, doing too much, uh, not taking the time to recover. Uh, that overtraining can be an issue. Poor technique can be an issue as well. And we'll get into what that looks like in just a moment. Overactivity of the TFL is another thing. So the tensor fascia lata, the muscle that is, it's the muscle to the IT band in that tendon. And as it starts to 
create tension, then it can actually start to put pressure when uh, on the IT band as it crosses over the condyle of the tibia. And the other thing that we can see are weak gluteus muscles, gluteus medius and glute max. And when we look into the overhead squat assessment or the single leg squat assessment, we tend to see genu valgus uh, or knee valgus, knees knocking together, and pes planus, which are flat feet. Doesn't mean you have to have them, but those are common things we see in the overhead and single leg squat assessment. So when we look at poor technique, we might be looking at runners who are running with feet out or runners who, when they do a heel strike, as soon as they heel strike or at some point through it, the knee tends to knock in towards the midline. And it is common. You see that in a lot of people. So let's get into just quickly what some interventions look like. And when it comes to pain, I think it's very important that we always acknowledge this. We point this out. The interventions first and foremost should be the suggestion to see a physician or to see a physical therapist. So when somebody's dealing with pain, we need to direct them towards the physician or physical therapist. Now, there are some things that we can do just based off of our understanding of human movement. And that will kind of take us into the corrective exercise continuum. So here are some of the things that we can look at from our end. And again, our job isn't saying, hey, I'm going to help you get rid of your runner's knee. In fact, I don't even know if you have runner's knee. You just told me you have pain on the lateral side of the knee. Uh, if it is runner's knee and it's been diagnosed, the best thing to do is to get the intervention techniques that have been provided by the physician uh, or more specifically and hopefully through the physical therapist. So let's get a list of what it is that they're using for interventions. Some of the things that you might see there and some of the things that you can look into is SMR. So doing some self-myofascial rolling and static stretching on the following areas, the TFL, adductors, and the calves. So the TFL and adductors, what we see is are those two areas being areas that can kind of pull us into the knock knee, the, the valgus position. And then the calves can kind of do that too, not necessarily that it's pulling into knock knee, but also because the lack of dorsiflexion in the calves causes the feet to either turn out, so it's relative to the foot turnout, the knee is in a valgus position. We could also look at is the short head of the biceps fem. So the short head of the biceps femoris tends to do something called a bowstring effect as it tightens. On the outside, it pushes the knees, it flexes the knees on the lateral side, causing them to knock in towards each other. So those would be things that you would want to foam roll. And then once you foam roll them, then stretch them. So the SMR is part of like a, a preparation phase before you do the stretching. And then there are activations that you want to do. So some of the issues, especially like TFL and adductors, those are internal rotators. And as they internally rotate, they can adduct. And of course, the adductors can adduct as well. So we're going to look at the gluteus medius and the gluteus maximus as muscles to exercise. We want to do activations with those. Things like uh, um, clamshells and lateral tube walking and bridges and bridges with the mini loop around the knees so that you can push out into a neutral or a slightly varus position to strengthen those muscles to get out of the valgus 
position, the knee knock position. Other muscles you want to work on are the anterior and posterior tibialis muscles to make up for some of the tightness and to create activation to minimize some of that overactivity and the gastrocnemius and soleus complex. And then, of course, whenever you do anything, there's going to be some core support and core stabilization that goes along with it. Other interventions, you may want to avoid what inflames that area. Doctor, it hurts when I do this. I got an idea. Don't do that. So we're going to not do things and have them not do things that actually inflame that area. All right. So that's runner's knee, also known as IT band syndrome. But I figured adding another one in there would probably be pretty good. So let's talk about jumper's knee. And jumper's knee, also known as patellar tendinopathy, and it can be super painful. And a lot of times we need to figure out, first of all, what's going on, what causes it, what I can do to minimize some of the pain that surrounds this on my own. And of course, uh, sending people to a physician or a physical therapist as well. But let's talk about it. First of all, we're going to go, what is it? What causes it? We'll look at the overhead and single leg squat assessments and then a few interventions for jumper's knee. What's jumper's knee? All right, it's going to be pain of the patellar tendon at the inferior, uh, inferior border of the patella. What? All right, on your kneecap, there's a top part of the kneecap closer to your head and a bottom part of the kneecap closer to your feet or away from your head. It's the bottom part. It's the bottom part of the patella that can cause pain. Super sensitive to rub your finger across that bottom angle, and it connects the patella to the shin. So there's that the patellar pain. Uh, what is it? It's not so much when we talk about jumper's knee, it's not so much from jumping, but a lot more from landing. People don't jump up and go, ah, right? Like people land and then they feel it. It's the impact. It's the landing. And here's another thing that often happens, typical in sports like basketball and volleyball, where you've got the jumping, but they also try to jump oftentimes. And when they land, tend to stay upright. So for instance, people playing basketball, when they jump up and they grab the ball and pull it back down, they oftentimes try to keep their torso upright so that they can still be higher, taller, and see what's going on around them. Rather than landing, let the hips drop back and sink down into it. The torso has to go forward. Well, you lose sight. You lose height. And so when they land, there's not a lot of forward lean at the torso, not a lot of flexion at the hip. And so it's a lot more flexion at the knee. It's a lot more flexion at the knee. And instead of doing that ball to heel rolling down when they land, oftentimes they might land and stay on the ball of their foot. And of course, when they don't roll that down, then it, the pressure, the, the weight's not absorbed at the ankle. It's not really absorbed very much at the hip. And so the knee is taking a lot of the issue. And so that's going to cause some of that patellar pain, the jumper's knee, the patellar tendinopathy. So it increases uh, in jumping and running, cutting, and particularly when landing. All right, what causes it? And we, we talked about landing, so I think that's important to mention. But there are other risk factors that are associated with it. So knee valgus and knee varus. So when the knees knock together 
or when the knees bow away from each other, both show increased risk factor for jumper's knee. Then there's something called uh, a Q angle, an increased Q angle. And a Q angle just means a quadricep angle. It is the angle from where the, the hips and the knee, uh, it, the line from the hip to the knee. And that's going to make kind of like a, a V shape. Now, the more kind of serious V that you have going on, the wider the V, which means the wider the hips and the closer the knees are together, that's more of an increased Q angle. And certainly valgus positions increase that exponentially. So some of that is certainly going to be um, genetic because of the position of just where your, your hips are. But you can change where your feet land to try to minimize the Q angle, and you can minimize the adduction or the knocking of the knees when you land to minimize that Q angle. There's also tends to be some poor quadricep and hamstring flexibility. So tightness in the quads, tightness in the hamstrings, poor technique during eccentric deceleration, overtraining, and in particular, we see it overtraining on hard surfaces. So be aware of overtraining always. And then, of course, if you're training on hard surfaces, then overtraining can, can come a little bit sooner when it comes to this. All right, overhead squat assessment, single leg squat assessment. Yeah, you might see the valgus, you might see varus, you might see pes planus, but what you're probably going to see for somebody who has jumper's knee is pain. And you don't need to see if their knees are adducting or if they have flat feet or all of these. You don't need to see that. If they have pain, you stop the assessment. In pain, that is the assessment. You now have the answer of the assessment, which is it hurts, so we stop. So if somebody's in pain, you stop that assessment. You do not move forward. You don't move through pain to say, well, let me check out your movement. You stop. You don't put people in painful positions. All right, let's talk about some of the interventions. Number one, first and foremost, we talked about it before. We got to refer people to their physician or their physical therapist. You got to send them to get checked out. Also, when you have a, an athlete or a client that you're working with, especially ones that have this, you need to monitor their movement and their landing mechanics. So a lot of times there are technique issues that we have to address. So we need to monitor movement. We need to monitor, particularly because it's so much more eventful, how they land. When they land, uh, are they absorbing the force through their foot and ankle, which is a ball to heel landing? Are they sitting their backside back? Is their torso coming forward? Are you creating that tibia torso angle like we look for in a squat where those are parallel, the tibia and the torso? Or is the torso upright and the knees go, go really far forward and the heels don't actually go onto the ground? Those are things you want to pay attention to. We want to monitor movement and their landing mechanics. All right. Want to self-myofascial roll and to stretch the quads, hamstrings, adductors, and calves. This is just kind of a starting point. Uh, again, we're sending people out to physical therapy, but if I've got somebody with me and they're being, um, uh, they haven't gone yet. I can, I'm not going to say let's not train, but I might say, Hey, let's do a few things. And we're going to avoid anything that's painful or slightly feels off at that patellar tendon. We're just not going to do anything to bother it. But one of the things we will do is just an overall 
tissue response to it. So let's just say, let's foam roll and stretch the quads, hamstrings, adductors, and calves. And then you wanna do some activations. You can add a, uh, activate glute medius, gluteus maximus, the anterior posterior tibialis, and then add in the core support. And yes, those are very, very similar to the runner's knees. Um, and then you want to practice movement and progress to jumping with a focus on ball to heel landing and not staying uh, upright with your torso upon landing. These are technique things that you look at as you start to get these athletes back into movement and we minimize their pain, allow them to heal and then provide some type of intervention. And then also sometimes people could just start to feel the onset of it and they may not be anywhere close, just feeling like I just started this the other day and the, my kneecap's bothering me right at the bottom of it, close to my shin. And you look at it and you look at their movement and then you go through and say, hmm, I think that these interventions, these SMR and static stretching techniques, these activations really go in line with what I'm seeing in the overhead squat assessment, single leg squat assessment. And what they're starting to tell me is it's getting aggravated and that we can take some of the tension off of that if it persists, if it maintains, if it gets worse, out the door. You gotta go see your physician, see your PT. And by the way, PT is physical therapist. We are CPTs, which are certified personal trainers. So make sure we talk about PTs. Those are always physical therapists. All right, with that being said, uh, you know what? I, I hope, Stephen, that this helped answer a few of the questions and it might lead us into talking about a few more of these things going forward, kind of here and there as we start to explore what are some of the things that might be common, uh, little boo-boos, things that are popular for recreational people that are problem areas. So appreciate that. Appreciate the shout out. Also, thank you to everybody who's been listening. So continue to listen, share it with your friends and your fitness professionals and people who are just interested in fitness in general. Subscribe, like, and reach out to me. You can reach out to me on Instagram at dr.rickrichie, or you can email me directly at rick.richie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, at nasm.org. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.